0: So I, I went and traded in a bunch of old games to get Arceus for the Switch. Mm-hmm. And uh, I took I took James with me. Uh, and so as soon as we walked in, there was like a huge Pokemon display. And he watched like the pilot episode of the original anime oh, with Allison. <laughs> and uh, he walked in, he saw it, and he was like... <gasps> Pikachu, and he walked over <laughs> and he grabbed this huge box of like different Galarian Pokemon with Pikachu and Evie in it. Awesome. He was like, "I want this." I was like, "Okay, okay." So luckily, I had enough left over from like my trade ins to get Arceus and also this box of Pokemon. Cool. But he was very excited. <laughs> uh, he was like, "Who's this?" I was like, "This is Ponyta." Who's this? This is Surfetched. <laughs> uh, so we got home and we played with those for a little bit. But yeah, he watched one episode and he was addicted just like me 20 years ago. <laughs> That's how it happens.
1: Hello friends. My name is Marlo Bogus and you're listening to The Tales to Inspire podcast. Fading vast.
0: Since seeing the horrors of war firsthand, Grant Godwin, the torchbearer of Philadelphia, has struggled to reconcile what it means to be a hero in the midst of total war. Is a hero meant to inspire hope or evoke violence? To find the answer, Torchbearer returns to his home of Philadelphia, where an old friend will help him rekindle his flames. As we open up this issue of Tales to Inspire, we see uh, a baseball field, and up in the left corner we see the uh, little yellow box that says Shibe Park, Philadelphia, June 1945, and uh, we see some people in the stands. It is not a packed stadium. Uh, and we see uh, some players are walking out onto the field and the scoreboard, uh, the, the tiles have been arranged to read the Philadelphia Phillies versus the Brooklyn Dodgers uh, and uh, we, see, we see all this, we see some people and we hear the announcer come over the loudspeakers Greetings and salutations, welcome to the Philadelphia Phillies or Philadelphia Blue Jays game today we have a very exciting opening pitch for you all. If you would please direct your attention to center field. Uh, and at that moment, uh, Torchbearer, how do you arrive to this uh, Philadelphia Phillies game? I Philadelphia match- Phillies. That sounds weird <laughs> to say. It's just <laughs> yeah. the Phillies. This Phillies game.
2: Uh, I imagine um, sort of like coming out of like the bullpen in the outfield. Just like walking through the the big wall in the outfield. And walking onto the, the grass of center field and just kind of waving to all the fans in attendance, holding a, a ball in his left hand and waving with his right. Yeah. Just
0: smiling and beaming at everybody in attendance. Of course, of course. And uh, I think we see people shouting out and we see... Uh, we see uh, word bubbles popping up from the people all around you and like, Torchbearer, Grant, our hero! Uh, all these little word bubbles popping up as you're walking out to center field. Uh, and you reach center field and you, you take up your position on the, the pitcher's mound. You see uh, the batter and the umpire and the catcher. What do you do? Just kind of tosses the ball up and
2: down. Um... And- Making sure that the the catcher's in position to catch this uh, fastball that's coming. Uh huh. Torchbearer gets into gets into position on the mound and he's kind of really hamming it up and taking it seriously and uh-huh. just going through all the motions of a professional pitcher.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, I think I mean, is you. I guess you throw it. Do you like use any powers with it? Do you just throw it regular? What how does it look as you throw it?
2: As he like winds up, he gives like this big flourish, like kicking his leg, and the ball starts glowing as he like reels back. Like this big uh, exaggerated wind up. And um he hurls this shining ball like glimmering ball of light. And as soon as it hits the the catcher's glove, it kind of like erupts with like a, a. Just like an eruption of like sparkles and stuff. It doesn't do like. He doesn't throw it like ex- exceptionally hard. It's just kind of like a, a nice little light show for everybody.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I do like the idea though that like the catcher catches it and like just kind of like stutter steps backward. <laughs> Even if Torchbear didn't mean to throw it that hard, he has this superhuman strength um you throw it and he, that person stutters backward and the announcer comes on what a pitch looks like Andrews is going to need to soak his hand after that one uh and then of course there's cheers all around uh and the game gets underway uh torchbearer as you are standing amidst all this praise and adulation uh what what do you do just kind of uh...
2: Smiles, uh, just waves as he's walking towards the si- uh, the dugout or some like side exit so he can get off the field but let the game start. And yeah, yeah. As he's walking back, he, uh, he takes a second to talk to the catcher. Just, sorry about that. Uh, I'm just a little bit overexcited. I've always wanted to do
0: that. <laughs> and he... he- Takes his glove off and shakes her hand. Hey, you're telling me, buddy. I just cut a pitch from a bona fide superhero. I'm just a... I'm just a regular guy. To all those
2: kids in the stands, you guys are the heroes. Knock those Dodgers dead,
0: huh? And he, you walk off the field and, uh... As you walk off the field I think you like walk into like a tunnel like the player tunnel um, and I think we see Torchbearer's demeanor change as he walks into this tunnel. Uh, how does it... What What do we see? He walks from this
2: the summer sun on this field and all like the, the praise and adulation for coming from all the fans into this dark tunnel and as soon as he realizes that he's by himself and like he's he's not like surrounded by people who can see him and might judge him his, his smile fades pretty quickly and he just kind of is the spring in his step is gone and just kind of starts to slow and walks down this dark tunnel by himself just not having it in him to to keep up the charade anymore now that nobody else is around
0: yeah yeah and we see these these long panels just very darkly drawn very dark colors even torchbearers a uh, white and gold outfit seems muted in these panels and uh, you eventually get to the exterior of Shy Park, and I think as you do, uh, there's a, a police car parked nearby, and you hear the radio squawk to life, and we see one of those like zigzaggy uh, word bubbles come out of the car. 1013, 1013. Need backup immediately. This is Officer Rebecca Randall requesting 1013. Uh, and then, like we see a uh, an address of Rebecca Randall's location or Officer Randall's location, uh, and Torchbearer, you you see that, or you don't see that. We, the reader, see it, but you hear it. Uh, what do you do, Rebecca? Sounds like something bad's happening.
2: I have to get over there. And he jets off to, towards the the direction of the address.
0: Yes. Um, I think we see like a panel of you standing there, and then we just see like the uh, horizontal line of like, like, of your light powers if you just fly off the panel. Uh, and then we turn the page to, um, uh very roman-esque architecture these these pillars the triangular roof um and in the top left corner it says philadelphia museum of art Uh, and we see this uh this cop car is pulled up and we see officer randall uh taking cover behind this car Uh, And on the steps of the Museum of Art, we see this man with uh, this contraption on his head, these goggles, um, and kind of like a bee catcher's outfit. And he has a wand, and it's like held out towards a car. uh, And he is screaming. Go! Go, my apis! My bumbus! My bees of misery! You serve me, Professor Bees! And like Professor Bees is like in this huge comic book format. <laughs> and we see all of these bees like zzzz, swarming out over the cars. Uh, and Officer Randall's like trying to swap them away. Uh, and then I think at that moment, Torchbearer arrives. How does Torchbearer arrive? Goodness.
2: Why did it have to be bees? <laughs> Torchbearer zooms in like the lightning bolts on Rebecca's side and immediately kind of throws up a shield around both of them to try and expel all these bees away from her mm-hmm. and to just protect them both in like this golden bubble.
0: So they're not being belated by bees. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you throw up this. This uh, shield and the bees just kind of swarm against it. Uh, and Officer Randall looks up and sees you, like from behind. You got here just in time, Grant. I got here as quick as I could. What's the situation, uh, Professor Bees? God, sounds so stupid to say that. Uh, his first name is Barry. Give me a give me a last name that starts with B. Barry... Uh, Professor Bees. Barry Benson. <laughs> Barry Benson. Don't do that. <laughs> I mean, it's right there, David. I mean, I I guess we gotta. Um, Why not? Okay, so, you say, what's going on? Uh, well, it looks like Professor Bees I mean, God, it's so stupid to say that. Uh, Barry Benson broke in earlier and stole some... Artifact related to bees. I don't know. This this nut job is out here swarming the area with bees. A couple of people have got stung. A few of them are going to anaphylactic shock. We need to get this guy shut down, Grant.
2: I agree. We can't let this go on any longer. What do you think? Uh, I could distract him from the front and you could go around in the back, catch him unaware.
0: Sounds great classic pincer maneuver yeah just like the robbery all right go get him grant and then she like slinks off around the, the tail end of her cruiser Profe- professor bees
2: hmm torture bearer why are you doing this
0: professor it's it's professor bees right of course it's professor bees don't you know that bees are the most important part of our ecosystem yet we tread on them we swat them we keep them away from our picnics with insecticides do you know what dire straits the world would be in if the bees were extinct well i'm not going to let that happen
2: i understand bees are very important to the environment to the ecosystem Look at what you're doing. You're causing a panic. You're causing mass hysteria. You're practically... I mean, these bees are stinging people. You're practically sending them to their deaths. I mean... What kind of man who cares about bees would do that?
0: Hmm. Why don't you roll uh, and influence someone, Phil? Go ahead and roll... Plus
1: influence. I don't know. I've never influenced anyone before. (gasps) Huh? A nine. A nine.
0: Uh, On a nine uh, for EIC characters, they need something more: evidence that this is the right course, guidance in making them or in making the right choice, or resources to aid them before they act. Um, I just need to be a little bit more convincing. I guess so. Uh, he says, Well, it it's a war. And in a war, soldiers must die for the, the good of the colony.
2: Professor Bees, I understand where you're coming from. But I've seen real war. And it doesn't have to be that way. You see, these, these bees are going crazy. They're They're attacking people. These people could be allergic to bees, it could be killing these people, and in turn, the bees are killing themselves to attack these people, and it shouldn't be this way, it doesn't need to be this way, Professor Bees, we could we can find a way to live in harmony, we can work this out, I promise you, no more bees, and no more, no more people need to be hurt today,
0: he, he ponders what you've said. Perhaps you're right. Perhaps with my gifted intellect, I could come up with some sort of sustainable bee farming that would help the environment and keep the colony intact maybe by working together and at that moment uh, the butt of a handgun like bashes across the back of his head and he goes and he falls down and his helmet goes skittering across the ground Um, and Rebecca Randall stands over him pointing her gun down at him Barry Benson Professor Bees you're under arrest Uh, and then we turn the page we see Barry Benson being led into a, um, one of those armored transport vehicles, um, and we see some reporters, we see some ambulances, uh, taking people in that have been stung, uh, we see the police have arrived and they are controlling the scene, um, and I think you and, uh, Rebecca, uh, are overseeing everything. So uh, what, where do we find Rebecca and Torchbearer? Torchbearer uh, sees the helmet
2: that is clattered off of the side and picks it up off the ground. I guess he was using this to control the bees with his brainwaves. Uh, can't be sure. Perhaps you should hold on to this for sake, keep it.
0: Yeah, sure. I'll uh, I I'll put it in the evidence locker with all the other weird science crap you've brought in. Well, not you, but the guys you brought in. We have a lot of weird science crap in Philadelphia. I don't I don't know why. Yeah, I don't
2: I don't know where they're getting it all.
0: Pittsburgh, maybe. <sighs> Pittsburgh. And she like spits on the ground. <laughs> they both spit <laughs> 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 They both spit um, And she says But it's been nice having you around You know Bringing in all the These weird science freaks Yeah It's, uh, it's good to be back
2: It feels Right it's Putting on an old coat again
0: yeah. It's been, uh, It's been nice having my partner back at my side. When she, like, playfully punches your shoulder.
2: Yeah. Like...
0: Good old times. Thanks for... Having my back. With, uh, Professor Beats. Don't... Don't... Don't call him that. Don't give him the satisfaction. Just... Just call him Barry... Just call him Benson, but don't. Please don't call him Professor Bees. I mean, does
2: he? Is he a professor? Does he? Does he have a doctorate of any kind?
0: Well, oh, he does study ornithology down at the university. Ornithology. It's birds, right? She looks at you and <laughs> says, "Grant, I don't know."
1: <laughs>
2: Yes, everybody's going to study something.
0: Yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. I wonder how the bird scientist got hooked up with these bees. The <laughs> bad news. <food. laughs> is ornithology really birds?
2: Yeah, ornithology is birds. Entomology is...
0: Birds. Ah, you're so right. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> oh, well. Please call calling <laughs> David out. Yeah, Rebecca said what she said. Uh, <laughs> David knows the difference. Rebecca doesn't, definitely. Um, it's the 40s. Very few people know the difference. Birds, bees, they're the same thing. That's why it's called the birds and the bees, right? Because they're the same.
2: Yeah, refute that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I guess you're the science guy now. i was just, just <laughs> about to say. <laughs> Were you really? Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> hmm, guess you're the science guy now. Uh, Told you never to call here (laughs) again. Classic. (laughs) Um, So Rebecca looks at you and says, "Hey, do you um want to get a coffee or something? There's a diner right around the corner from here." uh, Yeah, yeah, I'd like that. All right. Let's go walk a beat, Officer Godwin. Let's. Just. I think Walking we turned the page. The <laughs> Walking down the street. Walking down Philadelphia Street. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the only street in Philadelphia. <laughs> it's called Philly Street. <laughs> uh, I think we turned the page from philly street uh to y'all being in uh this diner uh and i mean it looks like a typical like 1940s diner you have the the booths along the windows you have the bar with the stools um you see some different people in here drinking coffee ordering food um and uh where where have torch and uh, Rebecca set up are they at the bar or are they at a booth uh where are they at yeah i think,
2: um they set up like the last two stools at the bar um, right next to the <laughs> the tower of pies in their little display case, a place where they would always come to on the early mornings, late nights mm. when they were working cases.
0: Yeah, yeah. So this is like a, a familiar spot to you. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So you sit down, you, you're drinking coffee. And I think Rebecca looks at you and says, Grant, how are you doing? I don't know why,
2: but I knew you were gonna ask that. I was kind of worried of what I might have to tell you. Uh, Things have been rough since the Operation American Defense and time in Europe. Just having a hard time shaking at all.
0: Trying to get back to
2: where I was before, you know.
0: Yeah, I have noticed. I've noticed how you you smile for everybody else, but not for yourself. I noticed it ever since you came back and in February. I mean, I can't imagine what you saw over there, what what you did. Um, I, I thought you'd get over it by now, but you're not, so I figure I figure, why not talk about it? Yeah. It's
2: just... I guess you just need the. We all just need the right person to, to talk about it with. Yeah. Sorry I wasn't around, but you understand with the war and everything. I know I could have written, kept in touch, but with all this weighing on me and hanging on my shoulders, I guess I just felt like just be weighing you down as well and i know you're you're doing good work here in town i'm proud of I'm proud of all the work you've done i was hoping that you know i could find my own way and uh, find some way to relieve this weight easier said than done.
0: So why'd you do it, Grant? Why'd you... Why'd you go overseas? I started doing this
2: because I... I felt like it was the real way to make a difference. You know how... as detectives, we're always a second late, or... just falling short of catching the criminals and I thought being a hero was the best way to to step up make a real difference and then I mean when the president calls what are you supposed to say to that and it just seems like the logical next step you know Going from protecting a city to protecting the country—I don't know. Probably seems kind of foolish, but I really just wanted to make a difference.
0: Well, ever since we were a couple of gumshoes, you've—you've always wanted to do the right thing. That's always been inspiring to me. You've always wanted to be a hero, Grant. But you know, war ain't no place for heroes. I've I've done some duty down where they have those those lines, signing up to go overseas, and I and I see the people in those lines and I see a bunch of hopped-up boys going off to war and Oh, I've seen the boats coming up the Delaware and and loading over here, and after they've done a tour, and those young hopped-up boys come back broken men. They don't come back heroes. I don't think it was the right place for you to go over there. Not saying you made a bad decision. I mean, FDR calls you. I mean. <laughs> God rest his soul. But anyways, I don't know, Grant. I think she puts a hand on your forearm. I think you're too good for war. Maybe I just
2: didn't want to. Didn't want to see it. I didn't want to believe it. I blinded myself the same way all those those young men and women did. And now I've come back. And I'm no no better and probably
0: one my fair share worse than I was whenever I went over there. She takes a sip of her coffee. She sets it down. I remember you telling me about this thing that You get your powers from this, uh... This... Fire? What is it called? Oh, the...
2: The light. The light of... The light of the torchbearer.
0: The light. Okay, okay. Well... I didn't have an analogy for the light worked out in my head, but I had one out for the fire, so hear me out. I... I think your fire's... Gotten low. Grant. I think you... You went overseas... You had water thrown on it. You had sand kicked in it. I think your fire's gotten low, and I think... I think we just need some kindling for... Her. And she corrects herself. You're light. So, uh... Why don't you follow me? And she grabs her coat off of the... The back of the chair and, like, throws it over her shoulder. Where, where are we going? We're gonna go stoke that flame, big man. Hello, friends, and welcome to the mid-roll section of Season 1, Episode 22 of Tales to Inspire. I'm your host, David White, and I hope that you are enjoying this episode. Uh, Phil and I are both uh, people that really like superhero stories and i hope that you can uh tell our our love for superhero stories through this episode that we did we had a lot of fun phil is one of my very best friends uh, and it was so fun just sitting down cracking jokes with him but also telling a really compelling golden age story and uh i think that we did that just just continue listening and uh You'll, you'll see what I mean but even yeah I mean even at this point it's a pretty good golden Age story but anyways, uh, let's get to some housekeeping things before we get back to the episode. Now, if you have been listening to our show this season, you know that I have been begging for new Patrons, because our Patreon money pays for our website hosting fees, our sound effects, our ambiance, our music, and it also, probably most importantly, you know what, I'll go ahead and say it, most importantly, it pays our performers $5 for every hour that they spend recording. Well, this past month, we had a annual fee come out uh, for to host our website, and it was about $500-something something dollars and we had a little under $400 in the bank account, and it completely wiped us out. It took us below the, below zero. We were in the negatives. Uh, Carrie and I had to transfer money out of our savings to put us back into the black. Um, it was a very, very stressful situation, a very emotional situation for me, uh, very, very frustrating, um, and... You know, if you have been listening, I've been kind of hoarding uh, the money that we get every month so that I can kind of build up a, uh, enough money to pay our performers whenever we start recording Season 2 of Tales to Inspire because right now we cannot sustain paying our performers for very long. So it's like, you know what, I'm just going to pull up our money and pay them for as long as I can. Well, now we have no money. In the bank account, um, and we are less sustainable now than we were a month ago. Um, so, if you I, if you are already a patron, thank you so much for your patronage. Uh, thank you so much for the money that you give us every month to listen to the show that uh, you know everyone else gets to listen to for free. We thank you so much for supporting us, but to everyone else, I, I am begging you. Um, we are past the point of desperation now. Uh, we have started recording Season 2, and I could not pay our performers for the first episode that we recorded. We, we just don't have it in the bank account. So if you are somebody that listens to this show, please, 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 please help us out by going and clicking the link below in our show notes and going and giving any amount to help us out. Right now, to be completely transparent with you, right now we have 24 patrons and we are making about $270 per month. We need $300 per month to be sustainable, to pay our performers every month $5 without spending more than we are making each month. So if we could have Just some people come along and help us get to the $300 a month goal. And, you know, we're not asking for a huge amount. You know, giving $20, $30, if you can do that each month, that's fantastic. But I don't support any people on Patreon for that amount. I give maybe $1. I think the most I give is $5 to uh, another creator's Patreon. So... I'm not asking you to give us a huge, ridiculous amount. The $1, the $2, the $5 options are all affordable. They're all sustainable. You can commit to those long term, and it's not going to break the bank. So I'm just asking for people to come alongside us, help us in making a show, and help us be able to pay our performers, because I think... Um, and, and I, and I don't know, I don't know if this is a pride thing or what, but I want to pay our performers. I want to pay special guests when we have them on the show. And, um, I don't know. I feel like we are going, I mean, we are definitely going backwards with not being able to pay our performers or our guest stars. So it's just very frustrating. Um, I don't like asking for money. Um, but we really, really truly need some new patrons and we need some new help uh, making this show. Um, and I, I've been talking about it all, all season. Uh, I kind of feel like I'm, uh, just playing a gong and nobody is listening. Um, but please, if, if you can, if you have any amount that you could give us per month, it would help us out so much. Um, we we appreciate the support of our patrons, and we'd appreciate if anyone else could come alongside us and help us continue to make this show. Um, and you know what? That was kind of a downer, but I have some good news. Season 2 of Tales to Inspire has started recording, and guys, it is already a great cast of characters, and I am so excited to start producing these stories, recording these stories, and uh, getting these stories out to you all. Uh, It is going to be a blast. You know, each season is kind of like a new decade. So season one is all set in the 1940s. And then in season two, we are jumping forward to the 1950s. And the 1950s was a team of Like rebuilding and restructuring, you know, it was the time of the post-war economy and, and stuff like that, and I think, I don't think we could have a better cast of characters to tell a 1950s story. I'm very excited for you all to meet the new cast that we have, both the people behind the mic and also the characters that they will be playing. Uh, I'm just so, so stoked for you to be able to listen to 1950s. And, um, but I'm, right now, I'm, I'm, li- I'm ready for you to listen to the rest of season one because the rest of season one is a very good story. Uh, you know, I was talking about Patreon earlier. I would like to give a shout-out to two new patrons who are doing their best to help us get back to $300 a month. The Furret King, Sean. Thank you so much for returning to our Patreon. You had given in the past, and now you're back to giving again. Sean, thank you so much for giving. We appreciate your support so much. Thank you for coming back and supporting us. And then a new patron, a new face, Taylor Selloff. Uh, or is it Seloff? Salof, Salof, sounds like a, like a D&D character name, I like that, Taylor Selof. by the way, I watched the D&D movie, it was really, really good, everybody, anyways, Taylor Selof, Uh, thank you so much for coming and supporting our show, we appreciate your support so much, thank you for helping us get back to that $300 a month goal, uh, and I know that you came because of my announcement about how, you know, we went into the red, and how we needed some new patrons patrons and you responded to that and helped us out uh and taylor just thank you so much for doing that for us uh and that is it for the show notes let's get back to this episode then i think we we turn the page and uh we see a, a multiple story building with kind of this this steepled roof on top of it uh or not a steepled roof but like a steepled <laughs> i'm not sure what to call it the <laughs> steepled buttress coming out of kind of the middle of the roof uh, and it's kind of this t-shaped building um but in the corner it says um Philadelphia home for orphans and uh, out on the grassy mall area in front of this building we see some kids running around uh, playing but we see Rebecca and torch standing on the sidewalk looking at this this scene War ain't no place for a hero grant but this is these kids need a hero and uh I don't think you can inspire anybody if if you're not inspired yourself. So, um She like nods towards the kids. Go on in there. He looks
2: over all the all the kids playing and sitting by themselves, going about their days. He kind of looks back over to Rebecca and Pats her on the back and thank you. This This might be just the thing I needed. And he leads her to go see these kids, hang out
0: with them for a while. Yeah. And as you're walking away she she just quietly says to herself a little word bubble and she says, I hope it is partner. And then she walks up the sidewalk. Um, and so you, you walk in to this grassy knoll with all these kids and they immediately see this six plus foot tall man in white and gold clothing strolling into their midst and they are just drawn towards you. Um, what do you do is just this stampede of children rushes towards you. (laughs) How are your children doing today? A few of them. We're good. Wow, that's a that's a mighty fine clothes you got there, Mister. Oh, my uniform. Oh, I'm glad
2: you think so. Wow. What are you kids up to today?
0: Yeah, we were playing cops and robbers over here.
2: Cops and robbers. That was always my favorite game to play when I was your age.
0: They, like, their eyes go wide. You were our age? Well, it was quite a
2: while ago, but at one point I was. Would you, uh, would you kids mind terribly if
0: I played cops and robbers with you? (gasps) They, like, gasp and look at each other. That'd be aces, mister! (laughs) guess it wouldn't do for any of you to be the robbers, so i'll volunteer perfect and then i think we have some panels of grant playing uh, cops and robbers um i think a few of them have like makeshift slingshots they're like shooting little like dirt clods at you um uh, but but yeah i'll let you describe the scene what do we see in these like silent panels of you playing cops and robbers with this group of kids <laughs>
2: See panels of them, uh, kind of surrounding him with their slingshots, and he's got his hands up, and they start firing, and he's kind of trying to like deflect them with like smaller like light barriers in, his hand, in like the palms of his hands, but like a couple of them like dink off his head and his chest, and just, like, uh-huh. uh, and then there's uh, panels of like. <laughs> Grant kind of flying over to the right and like looking back over and then like a panel of the kids like all running after him and a panel of him sweeping back over to the left and the kids running
0: after him. (laughs) Yeah, It's like that. Dope. Dope. So we, we see you playing with these kids uh, and they're laughing and smiling. And uh, I think we have a panel of one kid walking up, holding a baseball glove and a baseball bat in one hand, like, holding them out to you, only coming up to your waist. Oh, you. You like baseball? Uh, yeah, mister.
2: I suppose that's a silly question. Who doesn't like baseball?
0: Probably the Phillies. Their record's not very good this year. You're telling me, kid. And then I think we have some panels of you playing baseball with this this group of kids. Describe what, what does this look like? <laughs> Grant kind of, like, he takes the bat
2: and the ball. And he's, like, throwing it up and just, like, hitting grounders and pop flies for all the kids. Just, like, sending them all over the yard. Just, like, making them making them run everywhere. Trying to mm-hmm. chase, these, chase down these ground balls.
0: Mm-hmm. Um perfect uh, and I think like they bring out like the biggest toughest kid and like they like throw it to him and he bats it as hard as he can and just flies up 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 into the air oh, hold on a second I'll be right back and then just just uh,
2: leaps from the ground with a, uh, just a mighty whoosh and
0: leaps up to to catch this dinger that this kid hit yeah, and you you soar up and you grab that ball out of the air, uh, and we see all these kids like the size of ants looking up at you <laughs> in amazement. Uh, and I think while you're up here, you see uh, some kid that doesn't have anybody playing with him. Uh, I think you see a kid uh, in a wheelchair sitting beneath the shade of a, a tree uh, from this vantage point. What do you do?
2: he gently floats back down and tosses the ball back over to the the kid with the baseball bat. Give me a second. And makes his way over to this kid sitting by himself. Hey, what's your name? It's Tim. Hey Tim,
0: I'm Grant. Nice to meet you. He nods, kind of sullen and dejected. What's,
2: what's the matter, you? Over here, all
0: by yourself, Mr. Grant. Nobody, nobody wants to play with somebody who's lame like me. Well, perhaps they just don't know how to play. With. What do you? What do you like to do? To Um, I, I like to draw. That's great. Do you draw a lot? I did. But I don't have, um, any supplies here. can't get any crayons or paper. Oh, that
2: won't do. I tell you what, I'm gonna get you some new supplies. So you can draw and color as much as you like.
0: What do you say? He uh, he looks up at you and his, his chin has kind of been tucked up into his chest the whole time you've been talking to him. But he looks up at you and he says, Do you mean that, Mr. Grant? Of course.
2: I can get you those supplies, no problem. To say that, I want to say there's a panel of him just like rushing off to go, like, gather some supplies real quick and rush back.
0: Absolutely. So, yeah, describe describe those panels to us. What does this look like? <laughs> want to see me go get some art supply?
2: Yeah. <laughs> want, to see, <laughs> want to see me <laughs> do it again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just like he's gone a few moments and then comes back with uh, canvases and different paints. He's just got uh crayons and a bunch of paper just like all willy-nilly like none of it's all like, like in binders or anything like that just a bunch of like stacks of paper and all this like art supply stuff and he sets it down for everybody like i said maybe they just don't know how to play with you no if you can't play baseball or you don't like cops and robbers you could always draw together. That could be fun.
0: And I think uh, as you have rushed back with these art supplies, and you're like laying them out, and you've given Tim some supplies, uh, we see some kids start to come over curious to see what's going on. Hey, uh, I got some, some art supplies for y'all.
2: Uh, perhaps you could draw and color together. Well, uh, maybe you could draw yourselves as superheroes or as baseball players. Draw yourself as the hero you want to be. What do you think of that?
0: I think that sounds a lot better than cops and robbers. And I think we see a panel of all these kids like... You know, doing the kid thing where like they're laying on their tummies and like their feet are like dangling up in the <laughs> air as they draw. And Tim has like a little drawing board on his his lap as he is drawing as well. Um, and we have these kids drawing. We have some kids still playing cops and robbers. Some kids still playing um, baseball. Uh, and then I think you hear uh, the wooing of a siren. <laughs> and uh, I think you look up and you see this. Um, heavy metal van. Heavy metal. Uh, you see this <laughs> The wizard painted on the side of it. <laughs> yeah, it's <he's> riding <laughs> the dragon, my dude. Uh, it's not the 80s yet. Um, I think you see this vehicle screaming down the street. Uh, you see some people like, hanging out the side of it with these Tommy Jens <laughs> firing at this police car that's chasing them and they just go screaming by the street uh, and the kids kind of uh, clutch their their papers and their uh crayons and like uh watch and cower as his thing goes screaming by uh the police car screaming after it. Grant, what do you do?
2: Excuse me, Tim city's calling my name again i'll be back Just rushes off after this van,
0: yeah, yeah, so you rush after this van uh and uh, are you going to try to stop it? Oh, of course. Okay. Well, then I think we need to roll uh, a C's control. But
1: uh, how, how are you going to try to stop it? Oh. I think just um, landing in front of it and just grabbing the hood
0: in his bare hands. Okay, I think that is definitely rolling with smash. so roll 2D6 plus your smash. Oh, a 10, baby. A 10 baby. Uh, so you do it, so please describe for us. you rush off. What is the next panel? You see panels of the this van hurt like taking sharp
2: turns and um, inside, taking hot shots. <laughs> The driver's, like, celebrating or something. Like, shooting with a pistol out the window or something. All of a sudden, you just see, like, a close-up of his face with a giant, like, question mark. Huh? Huh? (laughs) And then uh, the next panel is Torchbearer in front of the van, taking it head-on. Just smashing straight into him. Just smashing right into his hands
0: as he braces himself you brace yourself and we see the metal crunch like paper in your hands and you like pick it up the rear wheels come off the ground uh they're spinning uh the guys in the car like fall forward uh and you you hold that there and then you just lower it back down <laughs> i like to
2: i see it like a he, like, picks it up and, like, holds it up over his head, and, like, shakes it a couple of times, and then the, <laughs> <laughs> each of the guys comes, like, tumbling
0: out of the win- the broken windshield. And then he sets it down once everybody's out of it. Absolutely. So, yeah, they they fall down. Uh, you set it down. Uh, and there's there's three books in this vehicle. And one of them has, like, this bag. Um, and... The the driver says, "Hurry, hurry! Get it to the boss! Get it to the boss!" And he takes his pistol and he aims it at you and goes to squeeze off a few shots. I'll just throw him a, a barrier I bury you real quick. Oh yeah! And the bullet just <laughs> bounce off, ineffective.
2: What's you got you boys
0: in such a hurry? Uh, and that he's shooting at you. One of them is like catching his breath, trying to get up off the ground and one of them just the one that's holding that bag just starts booking it
2: to kind of hurry forward and uh, like using uh, using the barrier to protect himself from like the gunshots and just rush forward to get uh, get a hand on the gun he like grabs the guy's gun pushes him away like pushes him uh, <laughs> 10 yards away mm-hmm. and then spins around and throws throws the pistol like a like a baseball and hits yeah. the guy with with the bag in the back of the head, hoping to knock him down
0: absolutely Keep and, away. and keeping your tin from your earlier role, you do that you shove that guy, he goes faltering to his to his ass uh, and you spin around and chunk that handgun and, and just hits the guy in between the shoulder blades and he goes ah and goes sprawling forward and drops this bag and all of its contents spill onto the asphalt. And you see this, uh, these glittering diamonds have fallen out of this bag. Are these diamonds? Where'd you boys heist these from? Uh, He spins around and says, Listen, listen, Torchbearer, it was just a job, man. Don't do not do anything. Perhaps you should get another job.
2: Like a soda jerk or something. Who are
0: you calling a jerk?
2: <laughs> just, like, picks the guy up by his collar off the ground and tosses him back over with his buddies so he's, like, alone with the,
0: the bag so he can look it over closely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you look it over and it's just a... A bag full of these cut precious gemstones? Oh. Um, so so these guys are connected to Professor Dusk. Would they be wearing like any sort of symbol or anything that would like link them to Dusk?
1: Perhaps they have like a um, They're like ski masks, and then they have like this like a like
0: a purple ring around the right eye, Ooh. or something like that. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. So each of them is wearing this like uh, black uh, ski mask, but over their right eye, they have like painted, and you can see like on some of them like dripping paint coming off of it. Uh, yeah, that that purple circle around their right eye. So you see these diamonds, and you recognize that telltale mark as uh, these people that belong to Professor Dusk you boys work for Duskoids Professor Dusk uh, yeah yeah he, he, he sent us out to get these from, from the financial district
2: what does he need gems for
0: uh, he, he doesn't tell us man he, he just pays us and he tells us where to go and, and, and we bring it to him
2: you should know by now Crime doesn't pay. Torchbearer will start gathering up all these gems and back into the bag and he'll uh, fly off with the gems himself to take him to the precinct.
0: Okay, so you swing him by the precinct and we see like a panel of you dropping them off with the the desk clerk. uh, It says, Thanks for your help on this, Torchbearer. We couldn't have done it without you. No problem at all. Just make sure these
2: stay safe. Get back to who they belong to.
0: Maybe, maybe tell
2: him to put them in a bigger safe.
0: He like tips the, the side of his nose. You got it, big guy. You know, it's crazy. We keep having all these robberies. Professor Dusk must be making some sort of moves if he's pulling this many heists. Well, what other what other things was he tried to steal? Ah, he stole some some scientific equipment from the university, uh, some s- diamonds, uh, other stones. Uh, I think he hit up a museum the other night, but I'm not sure what he took from it. Hmm.
2: Where does the museum get most of
0: its stuff from? I guess they get them from shipments uh, from overseas, archaeologists and things, digging up something new in Africa every day. They load them onto the, the boats, and they come up to Delaware, and we offload them at the docks.
2: The docks, you say? Thank you. I think I'll have a look around there. And
0: Torchbearer flies off towards the docks. Okay. And we turn the page to the docks. I think it is early evening or dusk, as some might say. Um, and we see uh, people walking around, uh, and I think, uh, well, first of all, where where's torchbearer?
2: Uh, I think you would find a, a high vantage point to see the layout, the lay of the land of this, like Philadelphia shipyards, uh, perhaps a. A very tall crane that's designed to lift these shipping containers onto large tankers and cargo freighters. Mm -hmm. Um, Get a good look around to see if um, there's anything suspicious or like other something out of place. As it's as it is dusk I imagine uh, all of the legitimate workers and merchant marines and the dock workers probably went home to their families some time ago
0: yeah yeah so we see uh, some people milling about and uh, from your vantage point I think you can see like the the ski mask with the purple ring around the right eye like hanging out of their back pocket as they all load up into this car and go zooming off into the night
2: with pen. perhaps if I follow him I can get a pin on where he might be hiding out torch Bear and just lifts off the the crane that he's on and starts following behind at a safe distance
0: yeah perfect uh, and I think we have a few panels of you trailing this car from your vantage point and uh you come to...
1: let's see. Let's say it's an old, abandoned, decommissioned uh, utility uh, u- like utility building, like it's an old, uh... maybe like a
2: an old hydroelectric plant or something like that okay something energy based I don't know that sounds about right
0: yeah yeah I dig that so so this car like weaves its way along the Delaware up to this uh, abandoned hydroelectric plant uh, and they get out and they they walk in he will uh, drop down
2: behind their their van as they're walking uh towards the building and just kind of peeks around make sure nobody can see him. And tries to sneak up to the door behind them.
0: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You walk in, uh, like the doors left slightly ajar. They were sure that nobody followed them. Uh, And you walk in, and uh, you see these people walking around. uh, And they, like, walk into an empty hydroelectric plant. Um. And they start moving some boxes around. Um. So when did he say he's coming back? Man, I don't know. He he never tells me nothing. He just said move these boxes from here to there and we get paid. Alright? I'm not one to ask questions. Just move the boxes, Vinny.
2: As they're having their conversation, sneak in a little bit closer and try and uh, maybe hide behind a crate that's like off to the side that's already been moved or is waiting to be moved hmm and perhaps like pull the uh, pull this uh the top aside or kind of pry it upwards so we can get a peek of what's inside the crates
0: yeah yeah so you uh, open it up and you see nothing it's an empty crate there's, there's nothing in here uh, and you look on the side and you see like in the stenciled uh, painted lettering, you see a uh, property of Tuskman Enterprises, Seattle, Washington. And then I think you look up and you see that all of these boxes have this lettering stenciled onto them. And I think as you're standing there looking at them, you hear a gasp from behind you. And you turn around and you see that one of those mooks is looking right at you. And he says, fellas, he's here. And the other two, like, quickly turn their heads back around. And they see you, Uh, and I think, Grant, you, like, react, ready for a fight, ready to throw up a shield, but they don't reach for guns. Uh, You see one of them, like, runs... Across the hydroelectric plant and your eyes just kind of follow him as he goes and he runs to the back wall of hydroelectric plant and there is a gramophone with like the huge brass uh, conical horn coming out of it Uh, and he grabs the needle and he puts it down on a 78 mil that's already there and he like turns it on and we see the squawky box come out of the Victrola is is it is it on? Is it is it going Ah <coughs> Torch bearer
1: Tuskowitz I should have known you would have caught on by now what is this? I'm sure you know
0: what this is. It is I, Professor Dusk.
1: Tuskowitz. Wh- what are you doing?
0: I'm sure you have handled my mooks by now, thwarting them quite capably. And like, it, there's a panel, like, the three guys, like, looking at each other like, uh... Just looking at each other like...
2: <laughs> actually, actually.
1: But their lies are
0: of no consequence to me. Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and the The recorded message keeps going. (laughs) By now, I am far removed from Philadelphia and your reach. My plan is already in motion, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. But don't worry, I left a gift for you. For, in fact, hidden around Philadelphia in various locations... I'm sure you remember my
1: Liberty Bell project. What have you done, Duskowitz? Just imagine four
0: Liberty Bell projects spaced around Philadelphia, all set to a timer, set to begin counting... And you, he pauses for a few seconds. Now... <sighs> Be quick, Torchbearer. It would be so unfortunate if all these different bombs went off. (laughs) Oh, I wish I was there to see what chaos this would wreak. But I'm not. Goodbye, Torchbearer.
2: You won't get away with this, Duskowitz.
0: (laughs) And there's a dot, dot, dot. And there's another squawky text box. It's like, all right, you can stop it now. How do you stop it stop it turn it off and then
2: click
1: God four bombs placed all around Philadelphia I have to find them fast I have to tell Rebecca Maybe we can get this done quicker
0: Yeah so like you I guess we see a panel of you like Zooming out the door or flying out a window or something Straight through the roof Great right the roof. I love it. Uh, and then the three mooks that are left there are just kind of standing and they, they're they staring at each other. And we just have a panel of them standing and staring there. Did he say he didn't care about us? And then we turn the page. Uh, to, to you talking to Rebecca, like at the precinct. Uh, letting her know that these bombs are placed around Philadelphia. Uh... And she nods her head and she says, All right, we'll, we'll get the whole force moving out. We, Gosh, the, the Liberty Bell was a horrible incident. I can't imagine four different bombs like that going off around this city.
1: It's going to cause panic all over the city. Possibly all over Pennsylvania. I think if we work together, we can get this done quickly. Before anything bad happens. All right, let's,
0: let's do this. And uh, let's have a roll. I'm trying to think what this would be. Um, bum, 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 bum. <clears throat> you know what? I'm going to say take a risk. Okay. Um, is that a real role in this game? This, this is a real roll. Uh, so when you rely on your skills, training, or powers to overcome an obstacle or perform in a risky situation, say how you do it. The EIC will tell you what to roll. Uh, so, so how are you going to do this? How are you going to find these four bombs? What's
1: the best way to track a bomb? In the
0: 40s. In the 40s. Um, well, if you remember, these, like this technology was kind of based off of your powers in a way. Like it was some... Um, I mean, we've really never fully explored how Duskowitz was doing what he did, or like what experiments he did. But it like it had something to do with the light. Um, so maybe maybe there is a way that you could uh, use your powers to track them. The same torchbearer flies up into the sky over Philadelphia.
2: And he's looking around at north, south, east, and west, and just doesn't doesn't have any idea. Like, where these bombs might be. And then he... All of a sudden, from behind him, he gets, like, this... Tingling, almost like a... a Sixth Sense. Like, the... Feels feels this pull. a, A pull coming from, like, eastern Philadelphia. Okay. And then he... He just... Kind of out of instinct, like, lights up. In the skies of Philadelphia. Like, creates this orb of light around him. It's kind of... Um, shimmering and pulsing. You can see as he, like... As he starts emanating this light. There are, like... Threads The light, like... Motes of the light start pulling off in these four different directions. And the light is, like... Trying to rejoin with, like, another... Like another source of light,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: and so uh I feel like that's how we can how it would look him discovering this uh connection that the the bombs have to his light based on like Deswitz's perversions of
0: it, yeah I like through his that. experiments so like you could you could fill the location of all four bombs.
2: Yeah, just by using the light, the light feels pulled in that direction to join with other light. Perhaps, um, like, as he's feeling this pull, he can also kind of see, like, a faint emanation of, like, where they might be coming from. Well, I guess, like, a a beacon on the horizon. I can say, like, one of them's over in the financial district. One is over in... Um, over by the museum. One is over... Like off of one of the bridges, like a huge bridge and one's over by the like uh, the state house, like Independence Hall like sort of near the Liberty Bell, like something like that like kind of get a lay of the land of where, uh, like a general location of where it feels like they're at and then come back down uh, to talk to Rebecca and gather troops to like, hey, search these areas thoroughly
0: and I think we could find all four of these at the same time. Okay, and she turns to like the police officers that are waiting. You heard him, men. Let's get in those cars and roll out. And so I think these cars squeal off into the night, and you go rushing off in the direction of uh, of one of these. Um, and I know I know you gave me like locations, but I think uh you are rushing towards the one that you're rushing towards and. You realize it's going straight towards the orphanage. No. And once you realize that maybe you like pick up your pace and go even faster. Yes. The light and, burns a little bit brighter and torchbearer flies just that much faster. Yes. And so you you're pushing yourself, gunning towards the orphanage, and you get there and uh, you're, you're searching for it you're letting yourself be pulled uh, it is dark um, and I think as you're focusing you feel your attention drawn to that strange um, thing I could not describe earlier that's on the top of the orphanage that, that almost steeple like object and you see uh, a device that is reminiscent to the one you saw five years ago Strapped to the Liberty Bell, but now to strapped to this, whatever it is. Um, what do you do? You've gone too far this time, Dusk.
2: Attacking an orphanage like this. I'm gonna get this out of here. Then I make you pay. He'll just fly it, uh, fly it up into the sky. And as soon as he feels like he's a significant uh, distance away just like hurl it up into like higher into the sky and then fly after it
0: uh, like a blaze of light and just punch right through it yeah we see this cool panel view just smashing this thing and like these dark electrical purple light waves flaring out from the impact as you destroy it Uh, and i think you you hover there a few hundred feet above your city and I think as you're hovering there you feel uh, one of those lights go out it has been diffused Uh, another one goes out and then you wait and wait and you start to feel the pit of your stomach drop but then finally the last one goes out and you slowly lower yourself back down onto the green yard of the orphanage. And I think we see, like... Uh, at, you land, and it's dark. But then as you are sitting there, I think we see a square of light suddenly appear around you. And you look up, and you see that a light in one of the orphanage rooms have been turned on. And you see Tim is there, and he has rolled up his window... And he's looking out at you. Did you did you catch the bad guys?
2: Yeah, Tim. I did. It just gives him like this gentle smile.
0: He says, Good. I I knew you would. Thanks for teaching the kids how to play with me. I made a lot of new friends today.
2: I'm, I'm very glad to hear that, Tim. I hope you kids continue to have fun here.
0: I I hope you do too, mister Grant. And I I wanted to let you know that we we finished our drawings. And, you know we you said draw the, the hero that we wanted to be well we finished it and I think all at once the lights of all these windows come on and you see taped on the inside of each window is a different drawing of you (laughs) and we see all these squares of light illuminating the yard we see some close ups of some we see like a dark skinned torchbearer we see um, a girl, uh, a female torchbearer, and Tim closes his window and we see him flying high in his wheelchair as torchbearer. And Phil, I would like torchbearer to clear a condition. Which condition do you clear? I'm going to clear insecure. Okay. And so we see you standing there illuminated by all these by the light from all these windows and not just you illuminated but also the light inside you reignited uh, Torchbearer what do you look like as you're looking at all these drawings of the hero that kids want to be is
2: just gently smiling up looking at all the all the pictures and can't help but but cry a little bit the tear rolls down his face this is
0: turn the page back to that empty hydroelectric plant full of empty boxes and then we have a panel closer on one of these boxes and then the next panel is a little closer we see that lettering property of Tuskman Enterprises Seattle Washington and then the next panel we see another box with that stenciling, but in a different area. The panel cuts back a little bit. We see more boxes. Cuts back a little bit. And we see some people walking around, carrying boxes, carrying these strange devices and wires, and walking back and forth. And up on a catwalk, looking over all these boxes, we see Professor Dusk. His right eye, a jagged scar across it, uh, where the sclera of his eye should be, and the pupil and the iris is just this black void with purple swirls going through it. He has this lab coat that is tattered and frayed and burned on the edges, and he's just looking over. And uh, we see a, a mook walk up to him and says, Hey boss, we just got a telegram from Philly. Say Torchbearer found the hideout. Dr. Dusk nods. Then our timetable has progressed, it would seem. Tuskman! He yells out, and we see Theodore the Tussler Tuskman, uh, also on a catwalk on the other side of the warehouse, looking down. Says, I hope all these things that you have procured will work. Tusman says, Hey, you're the scientist here, not me. This is your pet project. I'm just here for the money. Hmm, yes. Barbaric sensibilities aside, I do appreciate your help. For, I think we are very near completion. And then we see a panel snapped back, showing the entire warehouse and this strange device taking up most of it, with Tesla coils and arcs of electricity and this dark purplish energy spreading over it. And down in the bottom corner, we see the words, To Be Continued. End of episode i love it thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of tales to inspire we'll be back with our next episode on june 19th if you have social media you can find us on facebook and twitter like and follow us at misconceptions pod for up-to-date information about the show behind the scenes pictures and just to show us your general positive feelings about the show We also have a Discord. You can click the link below to join our Discord so that you can chat with other friends of the show and chat with other cast members directly. We also have an email. If you would like to contact us that way, you can email us at misconceptionspod at gmail.com. This show is fully supported by the generous monthly donations of our patrons on Patreon. If you would like to join that elite group of supporters and gain access to exclusive content please consider joining our Patreon. The Tells to Inspire theme song was composed by Esteban Del Pino. You can find out more about his music on fiverr.com slash I-A-M underscore W-A-K-E. Torchbearer was played by Phil Montgomery, who can be found at BMC Philanthropy on Twitter. And I'm David White, your editor-in-chief. You can find me, at MrBananasocks, on Twitter. The role-playing game system used in this production was a modified version of the Worlds in Peril role-playing game by Sam Joko Publishing, featuring elements from the Avatar Legends role-playing game and Masks, a new generation role-playing game, both by Magpie Games. Tales to Inspire is a product of the Misconceptions podcast network. Find out more about our other shows and buy cool merch at misconceptionspod.com. And that's it for this week's episode of Tales to Inspire. Thank you so much for listening, and keep it nerdy, y'all. Phil, how'd you feel about that episode?
2: I felt really good about it. I think it was uh, a nice
1: change of pace and a good kind of return to form, in a way, so to speak. Yeah. It was nice to get back to Philadelphia, do some Philly stuff. Doing some
0: Philly stuff, yeah. And also doing some hero stuff. Exactly, yes some some inspiring hero stuff. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so Phil, uh I, that was a good. Of course it was a good Torchbearer episode because it was only you, but uh it was good. I think much of the show Torchbearer's like kind of been out of his element, which yeah. which is which is interesting in a way mm-hmm. getting to explore a character outside of their element, but um what I don't know, what do you think? this episode was for Torchbearer.
1: Yeah, I very much feel like it was kind of like a a return to form. I I do feel like that's kind of how I wanted to play it. Like I kind of designed Torchbearer to be that way. Uh to be kind of like the standout in like a team going to war. Like I didn't want him to be
2: like warmongering or like I didn't want him to be about war at all, really. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's kind of the, like historically the right thing to do. And, you know, it's good to go and defend people and stuff, but it's not his place. Like (laughs) things aren't done the way he does things in war. And so he was kind of like,
1: he went from being a, a city hero to being a kind of small fish in a,
2: Uh, uh, an ocean you know or like a freshwater fish in the ocean and just being completely out of his element and not knowing how to really reconcile or like not being able to properly reconcile who he is with what he's doing and then coming back to Philadelphia is definitely like the return to form like he's in his element the fish is back in the water and I think it, it feels good.
0: Good. Good. I, uh, I'm glad, um, because I feel, yeah, like reconciling your, for lack of a better term, goody two shoe characters with like kind of the, the sometimes questionable heroic choices of the team. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Embarking on an assassination mission with a yeah. with a thirteen year old girl and Captain America in tow, it it, it was like weird. It's like how do how do we justify this? Yeah. Um, how do how do we do
2: this the way that they wanted to do it? Like, how do you kill Hitler and not call yourself a killer after that?
0: <laughs> like, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So. Um, <clears throat> if I had been, like, smarter about it, uh, I would have, like, discussed with y'all and been like, hey, like, maybe this is a fracturing port for the team, like, half of you go off to do this thing, half of y'all go off to do this thing. Um, which could have been interesting, but, I mean, the show progressed as it was, and I I think all the choices that we have made have been organic and good, and it has made a good story so far, but I I am glad to have been able to put Torchbearer like in a good light, so to say. And like and not not to say that you have not put him in a good light, but like he, he has. He has been out of his water. He's been out of his element. I, I put my put
2: myself in a bad light, pretty much.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh after after this, after having been inspired, having the light reignited, kind of this return to what it means to be the Torchbearer, uh, what what's next for Torchbear? Like what what do you think like his mindset is right now? Like what 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 is next?
1: I think all he had really wanted was like even like in the in the middle of it, in the thick of it, in Europe, all he wanted, whether it be from hives, whether
2: it be from like Montgomery in. British intelligence, like uh, some other hero uh, from Sister Solstice, anybody on the team was like a, some kind of affirmation that he's <laughs> like he's doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And now, um, I think it's a little bit clearer after talking to Rebecca's, you know, one of his oldest friends. Yeah, probably the
1: character who should have that kind of control. Um, it's clear to him that, like, yeah, war wasn't wasn't the platform
2: or the outlet for heroism that he hoped it could be
1: Uh and that his energy and his his effort and his drive and everything he hopes to get out of being a hero is better spent on the the level of like a city like Uh helping
2: (laughs) you know helping citizens Helping everyday people, helping children, uh, helping
1: people who feel like they don't have anybody to help them. I think that's uh, that's his ball, uh, his wheelhouse.
0: Yeah, that's his uh, shine ballpark. Shy, be- shy <laughs> bar park. Yeah, that's his shy park. Yeah, <laughs> uh, perfect. Um, well, uh, any anything else you want to do before we answer some mechanical questions?
1: No, I just I feel like you. I feel like we nailed it. We hit it out of Shy Park <laughs> with that one. <laughs> I
0: yeah. felt really good. I felt really good about it. Good, good. Uh, I'm glad. I I felt good about it too. I think it was a good. It was a good, lighthearted superhero episode i think everybody needs a little light-hearted superhero inspiration
1: for sure i could not so, agree
0: more let's answer these end of session questions so uh i mean some of these don't really apply because you weren't with a team uh but which character made you feel like a welcome member of the team have you grown detached from the team uh what dangerous threat or complicated problem did you overcome and did you fulfill one of your drive goal books la, 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 drive book goals I don't believe I
2: did well maybe I did it's like the, it
0: was like the I said the I am the law what's the uh, what's the unlock condition for that one
1: You save the city from certain peril and your majority of people recognize your efforts uh yeah, I feel like
2: at least law enforcement, who I have a pretty decent bond with, yeah. and Rebecca, who I have a decent bond with, uh, would recognize my efforts of trying to save the city and help people.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: the orphans recognize that I tried to save the city and help people.
1: Yeah. I helped them. Uh, so yeah, I feel like that's pretty applicable. Um, I for danger, I still don't. Um, I don't feel like that was applicable, but I think I am the law.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. So uh, we can go ahead and unlock that move. Uh, So, Phil, could you read for us what what does that move unlock for you? What can you now do with that? When I give a citizen of the city an order or ask a
2: favor, I roll plus influence. On a 10 plus, I choose one. On a 7 through 9, I choose one, but they may lack enthusiasm. Caution or skill. The EIC will let you know. They do what you say or back away cautiously or flee or they attack me.
0: There you go. Cool, cool, cool. So you, you got some weight behind your words. Yeah. A little bit closer to becoming that icon that I want to be. Yeah, you are. Um,
2: do I get something for unlocking a drive thing?
0: No, so in the original rules, whenever you unlocked a drive book goal, uh I gave ahead I gave you an achievement. Mm-hmm. Um but now that we have like the end of session move that can also give you achievements, uh and the you know when you roll a 1 through 6, you also get an achievement, so I was like, "Uh eh, we don't need that anymore. The reward is like unlocking the drive book move." Gotcha. Um so, used to, but not anymore, cuz this game is being hacked as we play it, <laughs> I've already got too many achievements <laughs> uh okay, you heard okay it here sweet. first David's trying to hold me back <laughs> <laughs> I'm muzzling the dog. I don't know which the... that's, that's that's pretty good <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll go with that uh, okay, so any other uh questions I like that uh, we overcame all the
2: Dusquest's plot to blow up Philadelphia or at least like unleash another wave of this like maddening light that he seems to have control over. Um so I feel like that's something that we
0: overcame in this issue. Okay. So uh so go ahead and mark one achievement for that.
1: Okay. I definitely feel just like by default that coming back to
2: Philadelphia and reconnecting with Rebecca and like kind of falling into old patterns and, you know, kind of re-inspiring himself
1: um, or becoming re-inspired yeah. by, by what he's doing uh, puts him or distances himself from the team. Like, Hey, I, it makes it clear. And, um, uh, Reaffirms the idea that like I probably
2: should have never been on that team. Like <laughs> FDR, <laughs> FDR didn't know what he was doing. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it just kind of like yeah, this was my place all along, and I could have my time might have been better spent actually helping people here at home instead of going to Europe. So I
1: feel like I feel like that's the that's creating the distance there between him and the team. It's just like oh, yeah, this is, this is the perfect fit for Torchbearer, and this is where I will belong. Okay.
0: So, how uh, have you grown detached from the team? So, since you answered that question, step your bond clock up by one step with a character that caused you to feel that way. So, uh, who are you going to step that bond, cl- blah, 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 bond a clock up with?
1: I feel like it's got to be either Gazer or Omission. Mm. and Crystal Gazer is still like the big um, point of
2: contention I guess like I should have more like a higher bond clock with omission just because of all the stuff when we were first deciding what to do sure
1: but um, yeah I think stepping up with Crystal Gazer is what makes the most sense because the 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 hurt's still there Um, yeah and so I feel like until that gets resolved it's just going to kind of fester a little bit and get worse and you know until we can talk it out. Definitely. Yeah, so go
0: ahead and step up that bond clock with crystal gazer so now you have 3 out of 4 wedges filled. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost a full bond clock with crystal gazer. She deserves it. <laughs> she deserves it. Uh you hear me? You hear me, Marlo? You <laughs> hear me, Marlo? <laughs> you, tell, you tell Marlo I'm coming, and hell's, hell's coming
1: with <laughs> uh, me.
2: Not the quote I expected from you, David,
1: but I'm, I'm pleased. I'm talking <laughs> about. I, love, I love Tombstone. Tombstone rules. Um, no one will say any different. No one.
0: Uh, all right. So, I guess I guess that wraps it up for this episode, Phil. Thank you Excellent. so much for recording this feel-good, wholesome episode. And thank uh, you, thank you, David. Uh,
1: and listeners, thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time. See you, ya. early, y'all.